Amen. It's been a great morning of worship already. I'm glad you're here in person and online. It's good to be here today. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of different passages, and so I'm going to go ahead and tell you those now. So if you want to, if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, which comes right before 2 Peter, as you might imagine, uh, but right after Hebrews and James is where 1 Peter is. And then we're also going to be in the book of Romans chapter 12. So if you want to find those two places, you can. Uh, we're going to be looking at the idea of service uh, this week, uh, how we serve others. Uh, we've been walking through this journey over the last six weeks, uh, talking about who we are as a church. Uh, we've talked a lot about helping to share that abundant life that only is found in Jesus and how you and I, as we think about where we are in the life of our church right now, how we're to become disciple-making missionaries, to, to strengthen our own families and to strengthen other families, to love our neighbors and, and use the gospel to transform our communities. And so we landed on that whole idea of disciple-making missionary for a while and, and what it meant to, to love others around us. And, and then how we do that practically, how, how we live out out that calling as the, as the people of God, as a, a community of faith, as a, a local church and uh, what we say is the tri-county area because we're in this unique position in Galveston County right next to Harris County and Brazoria County. Uh, what a great opportunity for us and a great region for us to be placed in uh, right here uh, in Friendswood as we reach these areas around us. And so we've been looking at what it means to worship. Uh, and how we live that out practically to, to honor God, to, to glorify Him, and to represent Him well before others. And we talked about that. And we're made for connection. We're made for relationship. We connect with one another. God never intended people who follow after Him, the followers of Christ, to, to be in isolation. We're meant to be together. And we talked about the body, uh, that when all of us are ears or hands or eyes, we, we all play a role and have significance and we need to be connected to each other. Uh, that's why we do things like Sunday school and small groups and discipleship groups so that we can be connected to one another uh, in our faith and spur one another on. And as we do that, uh, God wants us to grow, uh, to grow to become more like Jesus Christ. And so we call that invest, invest in your spiritual growth. I'm going to make an eternal investment uh, in my own life. And the church, the body of Christ is going to come around you and help you walk alongside you to provide those opportunities to grow spiritually, to become more like Christ. And when you and I become more like Christ, we just naturally want to give our lives away because that's what Jesus did. He gave his life away. And that's what we're going to speak about today is giving our life away and, and how we serve others uh, with love and grace and compassion. We use how he's created us uniquely to serve those around us, both inside the church and outside the church. And, and so as, as we think about this idea of, of service today, uh, I'm reminded of how the scripture, how, how God's word gives us a number of unique angles to think about things. Uh, we see it all throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the Gospels. Uh, these writers uh, all walked with Jesus for three years, and they wrote things down. Some got eyewitness testimony. And so they, they wrote down their perspective, their account of what happened. We're going to see today how Peter in 1 Peter and Paul in the book of Romans have different perspectives on the same idea of service and how that eyewitness account, how that personal experience matters a whole lot when we come to look at this idea of service. I, I don't know if you've ever been an eyewitness 
eyewitness to something, uh, particularly a crime. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever had that joy or pain uh, to be an eyewitness to a crime. Uh, I have been. Uh, about 25 years ago, uh, I was outside of Denver, Colorado, uh, going snow skiing, and we had stopped uh, at a Walmart. And we're there in the Walmart parking lot, got out of the car, and across the parking lot, I see these three people in what looks like a not-so-fun moment, uh, an altercation. It's two men and a woman. And one of the men and the woman were verbally attacking the other man. And then all of a sudden, the one man pulls out of his pocket, I don't know why or how, scissors. Very strange to me. Like, why do you have scissors? Why are you running around with scissors? But he was. I guess he was already all prepared for, you know, whatever he needed to cut. Well, it was this other guy that he was ready to cut uh, is what happened. So he begins to attack this other man, chase him around the parking lot with these scissors in hand. And it was a crazy scene. And so my first instinct was to run over and help. And then wisdom invaded my mind and said, no, let's run inside and call for help uh, and let the professionals, uh, the police officers handle it. So I sprint inside and say, hey, someone's getting attacked in the parking lot. We need to call 911 and get the police here. So sure enough, very quickly, the police responded. They got there. The perpetrators, the suspects, uh, had fled the scene. Uh, The young man, fortunately, did not get injured. They fled the scene, but the police caught them just around the corner. Well, my night just got a lot longer, thanks to my heroics, heroics. So the police came in. There was another young man who was on the other side of the parking lot who had also witnessed this event. And so though not in great police work, they put us in the customer service area of Walmart and said, hey, uh, you two uh, discuss your perspective and write it down. So collaborate your stories and write it down which is really not how it's supposed to be done, uh, but that's what we did. So it was amazing to me that as I talked, the other guy didn't know anything that I saw, and as he talked, there were several things that he said that I didn't know. Because part of the reason is I saw the scene early when it was still a verbal altercation. And then when the guy pulled the scissors out and started chasing him, I ran inside. Well, that's when the other guy kind of started paying attention. And so I got the early part of the story, he got the end part of the story, and we collaborated in this one story, and so I'm assuming those folks spent a little time in jail because of that. But that eyewitness account helped us portray this scene from very different perspectives, but get the truth uh, and ultimately the consequences of that scene, uh, of that interaction with those people to know the truth of what really happened and how the police needed to handle the situation. And the same is true in the scripture. We see time and time again where different writers in the New Testament bring different perspectives to how we should live life as followers of Christ, how we should live out our faith with different nuanced words, with certain emphasis, with Maybe some detail where another is more general. But they all come together to form a beautiful story, a a beautiful truth of how you and I should live out our faith. And that's 
the case today as we look at these two writers, Peter and Paul, and how they come together to reinforce the idea of what it means to serve, to give our lives away. So if you've got 1 Peter opened, of course I had flipped to Romans. Uh, If you've got 1 Peter open, we're going to look at 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11 first, and then hold your place later, we'll get to Romans. But in 1 Peter 4, verse 7, Peter says this, the end of all things is at hand. Oh, wow. Okay, exciting. Therefore, if the end is near, this is how you should respond. Probably not how we want to respond, but this is how you should respond. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, most of you will forget 90% of what I say the moment you walk out of the doors today. And I'm not offended by that. That's just truth. Because I'll forget about 70% of what I say today. But if you take good notes uh, over the history of your involvement here at First Baptist, you'll know that just over a year ago, I preached on this same passage. But that's the beauty of the Scripture is that we can look at God's word over and over and over again and pull different points of application. In that season, I talked about hospitality, how we need to have a welcoming spirit with one another, how we need to love each other. Today, I I want us to focus more on that idea of how we serve each other and the fact that, that our time is limited. The end is at hand. If that was true in the first century, surely it's more true today. That the end of time is at hand. That we have a limited window. We have a small window of opportunity to advance the kingdom of God. Because that is what he has us here for. To advance his kingdom. And every time I think about that the end is at hand, I think about these doomsday preachers. That often when I was in college, they would stand on the corner and they would stand on a milk crate and they would scream at everybody or they would hold signs up that would talk about the end is near or, you know, everyone um, who, who wears skirts is going to hell. I don't know why. Um, but, but it would be those kinds of ideas. You, you kind of think this, the end is this doomsday approach. Well, today in modern day, we have the same thing, but it's filled with truth. You may know this person who has cardboard signs that stands on a street corner that holds up statements of truth for all to see and all to know. He's simply known as dude with a sign. And here's an example. Don't go look now, please, on social media. Eat before you go grocery shopping. That is a valuable truth for all of us to know. That's truth. Do not go grocery shopping on an empty stomach. Because you will spend a lot more money than you ever planned. 
And you may even eat the food while you're in the grocery store. I don't know about you, but I don't like that. It just seems odd. Unless you're testing the grapes, then it's okay. <laughs> right? I mean, it's okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging my sin and uh, helping me deal with it. Eat before you go to the And then uh, maybe you've been invited to a party and you want to know who's going to be at the party. Statement of truth here. If I invite you, don't ask who's coming. Be grateful that I invited you. It doesn't matter who else is coming, you're coming. And so don't ask who else is coming because I might uninvite you. And then finally, this one, we helped him a little bit on this one. The last one, the end is near. Fortunately, there's a generator that helps you create these. What, what a deal the internet has for us. The end is near. Um, our time is limited. And if, if it takes someone standing on the street corner, if it's shouting from the roof, rooftops, like we have a limited time to make a difference for eternity, for eternity, we have a limited time. And so whether you're eight, year old, eight years old here today or you're 88, your time is limited, but God wants to use you. He wants to use you. He's gifted you to advance his kingdom. And so how should we act? How should we act? Because I, I love these signs. If you scroll through, again, don't do that now. If you scroll through later, there's a ton of them that are just great moral truths. They're just like common sense, great things. Uh, some of them are a little, you know, iffy, uh, you know, appropriate or inappropriate, but that's our world. But they're great truth. And the, the thing that, that surprises me all the time is how our culture embraces truth when they see it. Do you know where truth comes from? comes from the Word of God. And even little things like eat before you go to the grocery store, this is a great moral principle. But every moral principle comes from God's Word. Every way to act right and live right, to be self-controlled and sober-minded, comes from God's Word. And so when people live out the truth, whether they believe in the truth of God's Word or not, God is confirming over and over and over to us that his word is true, and that we have a calling to be self-controlled, sober-minded, serving one another, thinking about others, to love others. Our, our world is, is filled, is consumed with this idea that we need to love everybody no matter what. We know where that comes from? That comes from, the, from God's word. But loving them doesn't mean not telling them the truth. We need to love others. And so our service should be motivated by love. That, that's the motivation. The motivation for service is love because we love one another. We love others. If I love my family, then I'm going to serve them. If I love my friends, then I'm going to serve them. If I love my enemies like God tells me that I should, then I'm going to serve them. And I'm going to do that because I love them. And I do that more because he loves me. Because God loves me, I can love others. 
because I know that Jesus' love for me had practical application. Jesus' love for me sent him to the cross. That's the practical application that Jesus loved me so much and loved you so much that he went to the cross, that he died for our sins, that he paid the penalty for our sin. He showed us how great his love was for us by giving himself up. And so serving others, thinking about ourselves properly, self-controlled, sober-minded, has a practical outcome. There should be a practical outcome to my love for you. There should be a practical outcome for your love for your family. There should be a practical outcome for your love for your friends and even for your enemies. Should be practical outcome. They should be able to see it, some tangible result of my love for you because I'm serving. And so do you love your family enough to serve them? Do you love your friends enough to serve them? Do you love your enemies enough to serve them? And to serve them without complaint, without argument, without saying, students and parents, why do I have to do everything around here? I know none of us have ever said that, ever. Or my favorite in my household, which I'm guilty of sometimes too, how come they never have to fill in the blank? It's awful quiet down front. How come they never have to? Well, because we love them more. That's why. Right? That's what I want to say sometimes. But no, if I love my family, if I love my friends, if I love my enemies, if I love strangers in this world, I'm going to serve them without complaint, without frustration, without argument. And are any of us perfect at that? Heavens no. But that's the calling that we have. Because love leads to care. Love leads to selfless service. And the beauty of being a follower of Christ is that all of us have been given the gift of service. God instills that gift and many gifts in us when we receive him by faith. Lots of us, have, all of us have talents, but God supernaturally infuses us with gifts to serve him, to serve others, to exalt his name when we become followers of Christ. And so how you serve looks differently than how someone else serves. Because all of us are part of one body. That's why we need to be connected to each other. That's why we need to serve together. So that my giftedness and your giftedness will work together in harmony to see great things happen for the kingdom. And so how... Are we using our gifts of service? Because God divinely gives each of us gifts. He cares so much about you. He loves you so much that he gifted you with gifts to serve others, to bless others, to exalt him, to help you become more like Jesus Christ so that his kingdom would be advanced so his glory would be made known 
Peter mentions two here, and kind of one of those is connected to this idea of hospitality. Peter mentions speaking and serving. So whoever speaks uh, with the or- as if they're speaking the oracles of God. What a great word, oracles. This is a great word. And then one who serves by the strength that God supplies. We don't serve in our own strength. We don't, we don't serve because in our own strength, it's like, why aren't they doing more? That's our strength. Why do I have to do the dishes for the eighth time? We keep track in our own strength. I don't like folding clothes. My family knows that well, particularly socks. And with four men in the household, that's a disaster. So someone else can do that. That's their gift of service. That's it. Like that's how we are in our own strength. But when we allow God to use us and work in us and fill us with his spirit to be self-controlled, sober-minded, keep loving one another earnestly, then we see God do mighty things. So those who speak, do it as if they're speaking the oracles of God. Those who serve, serve well. And then in Romans, I'll have you turn there, Paul kind of gives us a bigger way, a bigger list, kind of expands on this idea. And he says in Romans 12, uh, verses 3 through 8, he gives us a, a, a big list. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to you, say to everyone among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Um, I, I love that passage because it's not saying, don't, don't think lowly of yourself. No, as a follower of Christ, as someone who knows that God loves them and you desire to follow him, you need to think highly of yourself. God, God loves you. You're a child of God. You're an adopted son or daughter. But don't think too highly of yourself. It, this is about thinking of others before you think about yourself. But to think with sober judgment. I think I've heard that recently. Uh, Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. So here they are. Prophecy. Prophecy in proportion to our faith, service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership, mercy. Prophecy, that's, that's not, oh, hey, the end is near. That's not that. No, it's I, I can tell you the truth. I, I know the truth and I can see the logical consequence of your action. And so I'm going to share that with you. So that as you walk through life, when you're going down a path that may not be the right path, I can speak truth to in your life and say, you know what? Here's the end result of what you're doing. Be careful. Prophecy to tell the truth. Service to continue to give your life away in the behind-the-scenes manners. I'm thankful for those folks in our church that check on the name tags and make sure we have enough stickers in the printer. 
The, the people that are in the back holding the doors. Those that are walking the hallways in our children's and, and preschool ministry. Like nobody pays attention to them, but they're serving. Full of service. Those that come in and straighten the chairs out between services to make sure everything is at least sort of straight. What, what a great blessing that is. Teaching to, to share the truth of God's word publicly. To exhort, that's to challenge, to admonish, to encourage one another strongly. It's to say, hey, let me come alongside you and, and help you see the right way to go. That whenever I, I see something in your life that may or may not be right, I'm going to help you. When you're doing well, I'm going to cheer you on. I'm going to encourage you. And when you're stepping down the wrong path, I, I'm going to come with you. And walk back to the narrow road together to exhort. Generosity. Everyone has been given the gift of giving, oh, by the way. Uh, but generosity, the one who, who just loves to give of their time, who loves to give of their finances, who loves to give and bless others in great ways, to do that with great zeal. The one who leads. You're, you're a leader. People follow you. One of the greatest challenges, I think, of the modern church is to help people who in the business world, in teaching, in education, in oil and gas, in accounting, in rocket science, and all the stuff that, that happens around here, they have great leadership capacity in those circles, and yet they never bring that to the kingdom. If God has gifted you with the gift of leadership, then use that to advance the kingdom. Don't just save it for your office. Bring it to the church and help advance the gospel. And then mercy, those who care for the least of these. Who have compassion and grace for those. Who serve and love and their heart breaks for those who are heartbroken. So the question today is, how are you exercising your gift or your gifts, plural? Do you serve in any capacity? Or are you content to let others serve for you? The great beauty of the church is that because we're all different, we all contribute in different ways. And when one doesn't contribute and serve, not just inside the church, but outside the church, how am I taking my leadership skills and my faith to the office? How am I taking my generosity and giving it to those things that have kingdom purpose? How am I serving the least of these in my workplace and in my school and among my friends? How am I doing those things? Are we serving in any capacity? Because the goal of service is not to get a pat on the back, not so we can post it on social media, uh, not so that we can necessarily even celebrate it here. But the goal of service is God's glory, not your own. And so I want to be a person who serves, not so that my family will say, great job folding the clothes. I don't want to serve so that someone will Celebrate me? No, I want to serve because I want God's glory to, be, to shine brightly. 
Billy Graham, the great evangelist of the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, uh, 80s, and 90s uh, of last century, said it this way. Our love for God is best proved by our regard for the needs of our neighbors. Our love for God is best proved by our regard for the needs of our neighbors. That was shared at the memorial service for one of our own church members last year. Because he exemplified that. Our love for God is best proved by our regard for the needs of our neighbors. Do you and I look to serve those around us? Because when we do, we model Jesus. And God will be honored when we model Jesus. And our world will be different. And so let's be people who serve. Will you pray with me?